0: You'll be able to rejoice with them that together with us we've been made perfect and we're with our Heavenly Father. So, this week we say goodbye to Jacob and we close the eyes again of Joseph too. So, we're going to see two of these lovely men die and it's going to be emotional. They both died at the end of their journeys, they had been difficult journeys. But they both died with a real expectation of what was still to come. They didn't have a very kind of, it's all about me. But they had a much uh, deeper sense of what God was going to do through them in the future. What was going, God was going to do for them in the future through their children. Through their children's children and their children's children. And they both died longing for something else. A deep sense of longing for something, for God's promises to be fulfilled. And um, this is the start of Advent for us as Christians, isn't it? It's a time when uh, we do three things. Firstly, we obviously remember Jesus coming in the flesh. God with us, Emmanuel, as a baby. We look back. Secondly, in Advent, we remember that God has come through his Holy Spirit to live in us, to give us a glimpse of what is to come, a taster. But we also spend this time, and I think this is something that we're not so good at as Christians. It's very easy to focus on the baby. Uh, we also spend this time looking forward to Jesus coming again and what does that mean for us as believers? That He is going to come again. And that is a true celebration for Christmas. So I want to ask you, you know, right at the beginning of this, you know, do you do you really believe that Jesus is going to come again? You know, is that a promise that you are holding on to? Are you longing for that to happen? Are you ready? You know, if he comes, are you ready? And finally, you know, do you get that sense of longing? Do you have that sense of longing? At the moment, our house is topsy-turvy. It's mental, quite frankly. Um, There are beds downstairs and beds upstairs. There's mattresses in the corridor. And there's a room that is locked, and it has a big sign that says, Do not enter. And our children are desperate to get in this room. They're looking through the crack. I can see it, Mummy, I can see it. Because their Christmas present this year is a new bedroom. And Rob and I have been in there locking each other in, phoning each other. Can you let me out now? <laughs> no, leaving you in there. <laughs> and uh, we've been creating this bedroom. And of course, our children are desperate. Beck wakes up every morning. Is it Christmas, mummy? Is it Christmas? And we've got this massive plan for the unveiling, where we'll have Christmas paper on the door and they can break through it. It's going to be great. And I've hyped them up, really hyped them up, (laughs) big time. They're mental for this room, so they know what they're getting for Christmas. But you know, there's a real sense of longing They are desperate. And I don't know about you in in your life if you've had something that you've longed for. Like it becomes a bit consuming, doesn't it? Your prayer life, your mental life becomes a little bit focused. In fact, can be consumed by what you are longing for. You wake up every morning thinking about what you're longing for. You know, there's obviously, we've all got different things we've longed for. Maybe it's been children, maybe it's been a job. I know when I'd written the 80th application for a job once, I was longing for a job. And your prayer life goes around that. So, in the book of Genesis, we see a longing that comes right from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sin, there's immediately a longing for something to be different. They feel shame and they hide. And there's a longing to be back, put right with God. And there's a promise right from there, isn't there? From the seed of the woman will come the person that's going to put it right. And then as the human family grows and we see more sin and more sin, there becomes a deeper longing in humanity for things to be put right. And we feel the effects of that now. We feel a longing for God to put this world right, especially as things become so chaotic and so crazy, and we become so uncertain about where we'll be in a year's time, or 10 years' time, or 50 years' time, depending on... How old you are. (laughs) And to Abraham, God chooses him and he makes a promise. He says, you know, leave this country, go to a place I'm going to show you and I promise you that all the nations will be blessed through you. And that is a longing that's put into Abraham's heart. To his wife, Sarah, God says, you know, nations and kings will come for you. And obviously they were longing for a baby. I'm thinking, how will this ever happen? But there's a deep longing in them. And this promise passes to Isaac, and then it passes to our friend Jacob. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And today it will pass to another son. But which one? Okay, we're going to read Genesis, so open your Bibles, and if you can, I'm going to attempt to do three chapters today, so we'll finish around four, (laughs) no, only kidding, I'm going to skip all over the place, we're just going to have to. So I want you to look up chapter 47 and verse 29, we're just going to look at that last little bit. I'm going to jump all over the place, so get ready. Have your Bibles. Okay. So this is the end, isn't it? Um, So it says, When the time drew near for Israel, that's Jacob, it's his other name, to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I've found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Jacob, here called Israel, has been in Egypt for 17 years now. Do you remember he arrived... Uh, staggering up to Pharaoh going, my life's been long and hard. And he's been on his deathbed forever. He's one of these. But it's 17 years he's been revived since knowing Joseph. Um, And here he is. He's ready to die. And I I heard this the other day. He said, um, you are only ready to die when you're truly ready to live. Uh, I love that saying, that sense of, you know, that when you're ready... You want to live because you're going to live with Jesus and you're ready. And Jacob's there. You know, if we think about Jacob just for a moment in your own head, if you've been with us, just think of his character. Just for a second. He spent his life wrestling. He's a wrestler, isn't he? You know, Um, Israel means, you know, he wrestled with God. He's wrestled. He wrestled with his brother right from the start. He wrestled with Laban. He wrestled with his children. He wrestled with God. And now, finally, he's ready to stop wrestling. He looks forward. And he's looking forward to the promises that God has made to him and his dad and his granddad, that they will possess this land, this land flowing with milk and honey that we see in Exodus, and his children will multiply, and all the nations will be blessed through him. And at the end of it all, you know, one thing I'd say about Jacob is he's, you know, he's been a bit of a whiner, quite frankly. <laughs> Bless him. But at the end of the day, he stands and he worships God on his staff. You know, he can't stand up. He's so old, you can sense him, can't you? A bit hunched. He just worships the Lord for what the Lord has done in his life. He's ready. You know, his final words to his children are bookmarked with hope and expectation. He wants his children and their descendants to know the goodness of God. How he's been faithful to him in his life. And he wants them to know the promise and not forget. You know, it's a gentle ending to this man's life. If you just flick over to 49.33, when he's finished saying his final words when he'd finished the instructions it just says he drew his feet up into bed and he breathed his last and was gathered to his people cool. you can imagine this frail old man looking at his life that he says has been short and hard and he just draws his legs up under the covers and at that moment he's with his ancestors and he's with his god you know it's it's so good He's about to pass on his blessings to his children. So we'll have a little look now at chapter 49. So if you find 49, flick back one. Sorry, 48. Forget that. 48. (laughs) I do apologize. 48. Sometime later, Joseph was told, your father is ill. He took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, El Shaddai appeared to me at Luz, the land of Canaan. And there he blessed me and said to me, I'm going to make you fruitful and increase in number i'll make you a community of peoples and i'll give you a land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you and jacob is ready to die and pass his blessing on he wants to in those final few moments remind joseph of god's promises in these final few moments, he will remind Joseph and his children again and again of what God has done in his life. Look at verse 3. Joseph sa- Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, that is El Shaddai, appeared to me in Luz. He said, I'm going to make you fruitful. In verse 11, same chapter 48, what does Jacob say? Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. And verse 15, same chapter again. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who's delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys May they be called by my name. He says again and again, the God who has been my God, the God who's been faithful to me, the God who was a shepherd to me, may he be faithful to you. And verse 21, he talks about how he's ready to die. And then he says, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your father's and to you i give one more ridge and he goes on to talk about the blessing you know Jake, jacob here is bursting on his last last few breaths to tell his descendants what god has done in his life i was thinking about this you know what do i want to pass on to my children i may you know i might live for very much longer now but we never know do we what would be your last words to your children to your grandchildren As you're about to be gathered to your fathers and go to be with your Lord. I think mine's going to be really similar to, well, in some ways, to what he says. You know, to impress upon my children, this is what God has done for me. I want you to know how faithful God has been to me. And he will be faithful to you. He will fulfill the promises to you. It's interesting where he ends. So today we're just going to focus on three of his sons in these final words. So firstly, let's look at Reuben, so chapter 49. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather around so that I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honour, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters. You will no longer excel, for you went up into your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. So here, straight off, he says, Reuben, you you should have been the leader. You should have been the one, but you grasped it. When he went um, and slept with one of his father's wives, it's like he's trying to grab at leadership. He's trying to grab it. And Jacob says, no, you're not going to lead anymore. That's it. It's really sad. Let's look down to verse 8, because in fact, it's not going to be Reuben, but it's going to be Judah. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Of course, Judah means praise. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. It says here, you know, they will bow down to you. For Joseph, they did bow down to him in Egypt. But as a family... They will not bow down to Joseph. It's to Judah and his descendants that they will bow down. It's Judah who the kings will come from. Those promises of kings and rulership are coming through Judah. And what does it say? You're the lion's cub. That's hinting at kingship. You're the lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who does to rouse him. And then, of course, this, verse 10, the prophetic word, the scepter, that is the rod that the king would hold, will not depart from Judah. For the ruler's staff from between his feet, that means from his descendants, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations will be his. We see here the obedience of the nations will come to one who will descend from Judah. What an amazing promise again that we see in the coming of Jesus. That the ruler would come from the line, from the line of Judah. So let's look finally at chapter 50 and verse 22 we're going to skip loads if you want to read it at home you can go through the promises given to all the sons including Joseph you can look through how they honoured Jacob when he died and took him up and followed that that promise to take him and bury him in the land with uh, his family burial grounds but we're going to look at the last bit now when Joseph dies. And we're going to see that similarity between Jacob and Joseph in how they die. Let's read 22, verse chapter 50. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived for 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also, the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land, to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they'd embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. It seems so quick between those two, doesn't it? Joseph dies after his struggles. You know, his life was hard. He was a slave. He still wasn't free to leave Egypt. When he wants to go and bury his dad He has to ask permission to go. And that's the thing we have to remember in here. He's a wealthy slave. He's a powerful slave. He's got an immense amount of freedom and authority. But he's still a slave. And as they're going into Egypt, Jacob is fearful and God appears to him and says, Don't be afraid. I'll go with you and I'll bring you out again. You know, Jacob knows, you know, if you're walking into the lion's den, you want to know that God's with you. And here, Joseph, on his deathbed, says, when God comes. He wants to pass on to his descendants the same promises. When God comes. God hasn't come yet. He's not taking me. I didn't see it. Just like Jacob didn't see it. Just like he won't see it. Or his children. Or his children. Or his children. 430 years they're going to be there. But he says, when God comes, take me with you. Take me with you. And um, if you read on into Exodus, you'll see that when they left, when God came, they weren't just carrying one ark around the desert, they were carrying two. Because ark is the same word as coffin. They're carrying Joseph around the desert too. Because he is looking forward to being in that land. He makes them swear it. You know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, none of them saw it, but they died believing it. Let's look at Hebrews. We're going to go to the back of our Bibles, to the New Testament. You're going to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, till you find Hebrews. And we're going to look at chapter 11 where the writer starts in verse 1 with, Now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Here's our guys. Did they have confidence about what they did not see? Amen, they did. Swear you will take me when God comes. Can't get more confident than that. So let's look at verse 13 of what it says of some of these guys. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of a country they'd left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They were still living by faith when they died. They admitted they were strangers and foreigners on earth. And what do we read in the New Testament about us? We are strangers and foreigners here on earth, longing for a country that we've not seen yet, longing for an environment to be in that we've not seen yet. Let's read uh, chapter 11, verse 39. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better... For us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They're waiting and they're longing for something better. And I just want to finish today. You know, we might live in a season of our life where everything is going sweet, sweet, sweet. You know, if you imagine when Joseph was at his absolute height There is no one below him. Uh, Sorry, there's no one above him other than Pharaoh. But it's still not his home. He was longing for something else. And maybe everything at the moment is not going so well. Think of the Israelites when they become forced and subjected into slavery, more and more beaten, and they start to long for a better home. The longing should be there whether life's going great or life's going, ooh. The longing should be there. Whether we prosper or suffer, whether we're in a first world country or a third world country, whether everything's gone good for us or everything's gone bad for us, this is not our home. You know, like my girls waiting for that bedroom, we should be desperate to catch a glimpse of what is to come because it's going to be so much better than this. You know, and I think every time we experience loss, every time we feel pain, every time we feel a longing, it's a hint It's an awakening that this is not it. We might be blessed immensely by God in this lifetime. When I look at my life and I look back at how God has changed me from quite a horrible teenager slash early 20s, arrogant, horrible person to the softening that he's made in my life. When I look at how he's blessed me with a husband and beautiful children. When I look at where I'm born in a first world country, when I don't have to worry about the, where the next meal's coming from. When I count all my blessings, it is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But if you imagine that all of that, And everything that has ever happened, every miracle that God has worked in your life, is like you're looking through the tiniest gap of that door. That is what is to come. That is what is to come. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, we read, that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of Jesse. He's triumphed. It is finished. In a sense, the room is prepared. It's ready for you. And when you get there, they will all be there, welcoming and cheering you home. We sometimes see a glimpse, but it's only a glimpse, If we look at the very final chapter of the Bible in Revelation, the last few words, if you had it in red, you'd be able to see Jesus speaking. The last chapter, 22. Verse 7, Jesus says these words to us. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of of the prophecy written in this scroll. Then in verse 12, look I am coming soon. That's like that. Have you ever thought Jesus could come in the next second? My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning in the end. Verse 16 tells, Jesus says, I'm the root of and the offspring of David i've come through that line that's who i am and verse 20 jesus says yes i am coming soon and that word soon it means quickly fast in an instant like a flash of lightning you know as we come to christmas it's so easy to look back But why don't you just try this Christmas, the next few days, as we're looking forward, let us also focus on looking forward to what is coming with the same longing that we might have if there was an enormous present just sitting there waiting to be opened. It is so vast, so huge So magnificent, beyond your expectations. No more suffering, no more guilt, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more loss, no more pain, no more deception. Nothing we read in the newspaper. We open the newspaper there, there's nothing in it but good. We turn on the telly, there's nothing in it but good. We send our children out to play, there's nothing for them to fear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of reading about our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We thank you so much, Father, that you put a longing in their heart for you and what you had for them. That they died waiting. Jesus, I pray that as we come up to Christmas in these next few weeks, that you'd place a longing in our hearts for you. that you'd help us not to be um, just so distracted, I guess, that we forget that you are coming again and that you will put everything right. Jesus, we thank you that you came. Emmanuel, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in us, giving us a glimpse of what is to come. I pray that you'd fill each one of us with expectation.